0: The last of the great human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. And I can extract myself from the suffering because my attitude can trump my ego's frustration about the situation if I lock in power of my mind to choose differently. I'm gonna master this thing called teaching, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna travel whatever distance, I'm gonna pay whatever price to give my service of love across this planet. I'm not going to let any human being on the face of this planet stop me, not even myself. And genius is available in all of us in the area of our highest value when we care enough intrinsically to be inspired to go after solving those problems. it's it's waiting for all of us to do that we can expand our awareness consciousness to expand who we are as beings into this new human being that we're becoming it's the tension and the contrast that actually helps to push us through to the next level of evolution our cells have consciousness and so does the bacteria so we can also tune into our bodies and and work with our bodies more knowing that and appreciating these billions of points of consciousness now that change takes place. The momentum that's created in our life from that moment on is monumental. Insights, the wisdom, the guidance, the direction, the spontaneous goodness, serendipity, coincidence. Things start to work together for good because we're now in a flow of our personal mind, but we're in the flow of the mind of God. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast, This is a show entirely devoted to the exploration of physical vitality, emotional well-being, and mental fitness. I'm your host and tour guide, Ronnie Landis. I'm a multiple published author, international speaker, performance health coach, global activist, and wellnesspreneur. So buckle your seat, get ready to take notes, and enjoy the ride. It's go time. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share a very unique opportunity to be part of an incredible community and project I have launched called the Holistic Sovereignty Inner Circle. This is my new digital community platform that my team and I have created to provide an online educational portal to empower students to take their health, their lifestyle goals, their entrepreneurial endeavors and their overall lives to the next level. This is really the dream platform that I've been wanting to create for years that provides students with a sensor-free digital community group, access to bi-weekly coaching calls led by me, as well as other guest experts, access to my private digital research archive on everything under the sun, and even opportunities to receive one-on-one mentorship by me. If you enjoyed the content I create through these podcasts, then you will love being part of my private inner circle membership platform. And the benefits you receive will be invaluable to say the least. You can find out more information by going to www.ronnie innercircle.com that's www.ronnieinnercircle.com and discover if this opportunity is a perfect fit for you again the website is www.ronnieinnercircle.com now on with the show greetings and aloha welcome to another edition of the holistic human optimization show i'm your host as always ronnie landis this is the final episode in season four on longevity strategies. And this episode, this discussion is going to bring us full circle with everything that we have gone through up to this point. All the talk on immunological momentum, cleansing, detoxification, um, even hormones, the different subjects that we've gone through. All lead us to this. and this topic is a topic that I have been deeply deeply fascinated by, investigating and um, just immersing myself into for at least eight years now. Yeah, this is the the fundamental topic of all longevity in my opinion, and it's one of the least talked about topics, maybe ever. Which is staggering to me. It's actually unbelievable to me that people are talking about every other topic. And yet this one discussion is kind of just fallen to the wayside. And so part of my inspiration here is to revive this topic and this information for everybody who listens to it so we can all get on the same page about the fundamental issue with aging and what actually will inevitably take every single mammal on the planet out. What are the recycling organisms, the recycling mechanisms built into nature, built into the microbiotic substrate of nature, and also what builds itself inside the human body That essentially takes us out. Even if we have the best diet, we have the best raw food diet that works perfectly for us, or whatever your dietary preference is, and it works perfectly for you. You have detoxification strategies, you have hormonal support strategies, you have all the things that help you live you know, that vibrant, holistic, optimized lifestyle. What is the one thing that will take somebody out? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. And it's something called calcification. Calcification, uh, there's there's so much to talk about. And I have a way that I want to set up this conversation. So before we dive into that, I want to talk about something called the Free Radical Theory of Aging. and Before we get into that, I want to set this up in a certain way. It appears to me that this topic seems to have been hushed up and attempted to be shooed under the rug of both conventional and alternative medicine and therapeutic approaches. Whether it's intentional or not, it definitely is very challenging. I, I've scoured the internet for years, and then leading up to this interview or I mean, not this interview, but this, this episode I wanted to see all the different perspectives and all the different body of information that's out there on the internet. Because, like I said, I got into this about eight years ago, and um, it completely blew my mind. And so I wanted to see okay like how far along is this information is it out there I don't hear people talking about it so is it really out there now there is a lot of good information on calcification as a as a subject matter relating to heart disease related, relating to kidney stones gallstones um, even Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, cancer um, even an association with Lyme disease which we'll talk about but there's a huge aspect of this otherwise known as the root cause of calcification that is almost unknown to most people at least from what I can see that of the information that's delivered on the internet especially the the conventional information so we're going to get into this one of the things that comes up for me around this topic and really comes up for me around many topics is how important it is in our day and age to begin questioning the major assumptions of health medicine nutrition and the nature of disease these are the long-held ivory towers And the consensus theories that have held the medical establishment, the pharmaceutical industry, vaccines, which we are going to talk about in this episode, because vaccines have a huge role to play, as it turns out, in this conversation, Um, and all the different theories that we have about health and aging and disease and degeneration and what is aging, what actually takes us out. As I mentioned before, there's so many different theories and ideas. It's it's overwhelming. It's completely confusing and convoluted. And to be honest, um, we need to just kind of get through. We need to, how do I want to say this? We need to We need to question the assumptions because there is a major, major assumption built into everybody's mind that studies nutrition, which is this idea that calcium, particularly calcium supplements, are something that everybody needs to be taking. When you go to your local pharmacy, your local health food store, Whole Foods, Long's Drugs, Walmart, whatever it is. The number one supplement sold is calcium, calcium supplements. We are told that calcium, we need calcium for our bones. We need calcium for our heart, for our blood, um, which is all true. However, we do not need to be supplementing with calcium supplements. In fact, it has come to bear that calcium supplements may be, in fact, the most damaging supplement of all time. Now that's a hard that's a that's a big statement. I'm not even going to try to qualify that because there's a lot of supplements out there like iron supplements, which iron is an oxidant. You do not want to be supplementing with iron, individuated, synthesized iron. That that is a horrible idea. Well, supplementing with individuated calcium salt is also a horrible idea, as it turns out. And we are going to get so deep into this. (sighs) So before we dive into that, I want to set this conversation up in a particular way. I want to talk about the free radical theory of aging which ultimately translates into inflammation. I'm going to read you um, a little bit out of my book, The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program, and I'm going to lean on that book throughout this episode because years ago when I wrote that book and put it out, I had compiled the research. I had synthesized it into easy-to-understand um, uh perspectives. And I basically put my information together that I had gathered over all the years and the great pioneers that I studied under and studied with and the people that aren't in the mainstream. I took some of that mainstream information and I brought it in some of the medical documentation on this, but then I went much deeper and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go deep into this. So let's talk about the free radical theory of aging. The mitochondrial free radical theory of aging, as it's sometimes called, represents the core issue of physical, mental energy production and longevity. The mitochondria is the energy production warehouse of our cells and responsible for converting a nucleotide molecule, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, into a viable currency of metabolic energy. Every time this exchange takes place through normal metabolic functions, free radicals are created. Free radicals contribute to oxidative stress of the cell. Over enough time, with enough oxidative stress exposure, our cells lose durability and functionality, leaving them susceptible to malfunction, miscommunication, and potentially lead into mutagenic factors with enough chemical and viral pressure. An excess of free radicals are created by many factors, including poor diet, contaminated water, preservatives, environmental toxins, rancid oils, and electromagnetic pollution, lack of sleep, emotional disturbances, and lack of connection to nature, dehydration, rare genetic mutations, inhibiting methylation and detoxification processes, and more. And we talked about that particular thing in – our hormone talk, didn't we? There's more. To, there's more to go here. A free radical is an oxygen an oxygen atom slash molecule that has lost an electron and thus and thus has a negative electrical charge. Free radicals or oxidants will begin to glob onto other molecules that contain electrons, such as antioxidants and then begin oxidizing them by stealing their negative electric charge. Our cells run on a negative electric charge, whereas all forms of infection-based organisms, carcinogens, heavy metals, petroleum-based chemicals, radioisotopes, and hardened sedimentary forms of calcium contain a positive charge. When our cellular matrix begins to lose its optimum charge, our cells begin to rust or oxidize. This results in disease and dysfunction. When we are poorly nourished with organic raw plant foods, high-quality superfoods, adaptogenic tonic herbs, and living spring water, then our bodies can mitigate the free radical damage for an extended amount of time. This results in a delayed effect, potentially not showing up uh, not showing signs of wear and tear for maybe twenty, maybe even thirty years beyond the onset uh, for a person on a standard American diet. So what what I mean by that real quickly before we go on is that when you have all of these things, you have the raw plant foods, you have the alkaline forming foods, you have the superfoods, the tonic herbs, structured living spring water, our body can mitigate and buffer the oxidizing effect of our atmosphere for one and also the carcinogens, the toxins, the EMF pollution that's coming into us all the time. So essentially, the lifestyle factors that we've talked about, they create a buffer and we can ward off the wear and tear for an extra 10 years, for an extra 20 years, for an extra 30 years, maybe. Yet, as I alluded to before, there is something, there is an undertaker phenomenon, i.e. calcification, that will still show up even when we're doing all of these things. So let's continue. When combining the heavily researched data on nutrition, cleansing, environmental pollution, and longevity, one thing becomes self-evident. Detoxification is becoming more important than solely healing from nutrition. Even if we eat the best raw food, wild food, and superfood diet, and I highly encourage that we do, the metabolic waste will still be created from cellular activity of metabolism. Over time, this accumulative effect on metabolism re- leaves residue debris that gunk up the system and feed microbes. We have discovered through research on infectious disease causing organisms that organisms such as Candida albicans, i.e., fungal infection, nanobacterium, calcium forming bacteria, tapeworms, parasites, and all forms of viruses are the byproduct of their metabolism that they excrete. This metabolic excretion causes the real damage in our body over time. These byproducts form acid acid, unless effectively cleaned up, and create an inner environment that attracts other organisms that are rooted in disease. This is the origin and story of all disease. Okay, so let me break that down, what I just said really quickly there. What we've discovered is that it's not just those organisms, the parasites, the virus, the fungi, the bacterial infections – that are the main issue. It's, it's the metabolic waste products that they excrete through their own metabolism that leave debris in the system, particularly the cardiovascular system, that actually cause the real damage, that cause the inflammation, right? That's an important thing to understand. And when you do understand that, you start to look beyond just, okay, I need to do a parasite cleanse. I need to do an antibiotic, an antiviral, an antifungal. Those are all killing agents. However, you can cause more problems by just trying to kill something if that's all you understand. What we have to understand is that we need to send in the cleanup crew to mop up and clean up the metabolic byproducts that these things leave behind. This is something we are going to talk, talk about as we, we continue to move forward with this conversation. And also another thing that we need to understand is that my uh, my colleague and a very, very good friend of mine, Dr. Robert Kassar, he, he's done a tremendous amount of research on this subject as well as my other friend and colleague, David Wolf, has done a tremendous amount of research and really synthesized all this stuff on calcification and nanobacteria. Um, which has allowed me to even be able to present all this to you. So I have to give incredible thanks and gratitude to those men. Robert Kassar coined the term terrain modification. This is a theme that I bring into all of my work because if you do have these opportunistic organisms inside your body – It's because they've been brought into your body, but the reason they stay in the body and create problems is because there is an inner terrain inside your inner ecosystem that is hospitable to those organisms that allows them to stay there, right? That's why cleansing, detoxification, having a high alkaline forming food supply – Raw foods, superfoods, tonic herbs, all that kind of thing, living spring water. The reason why that's so important is because we have to terrain modify the inner ecosystem so our inner environment is not hospitable. It's not inviting to these organisms. These are basically recycling organisms. They're, that they're, It's what they do. It's not that a parasite is is quote-unquote bad. A parasite is a living organism that feeds on certain things. So if we, have, if we have gunk in our body, we have, we have waste products, we have debris, we have an acidic blood chemistry, we have you know heavy amounts of meat and dairy and processed foods and heavy metals, then those are going to feed these opportunistic organisms. So we got to clean out the system, right? Um, but there's more to this story. So that was a great way to set this up. The free radical theory of aging is essentially the most the most well-known and the most well-accepted theory for why we age in the first place. And ultimately that translates to to inflammation, right? How inflammation is created in the body, the different forms of inflammation, and how inflammation stays in the body and through scar tissue through the breakdown of metabolic byproducts from the food that we eat that hasn't been effectively eliminated from the body we talked about this in the cleanse and detox episodes so you might want to go back over that for a refresh now what we have to do is go right into calcification <clears throat> so there's a lot of information I want to share with you about this the first thing is let's talk about the theories on calcification as I began, um, diving back into the literature and trying to see like, what, what is out there in the world on this topic? I already know exactly what is going on here. I've studied this intensely. Um, and I, and I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've received the benefit of direct conversation and the information that's been put together by some of the lead experts in the world. I'm thinking of, again, David Wolf, Robert Kassar. I'm thinking of Dr. Gabriel Cousins. I'm thinking of my my friend and colleague, Dr. George Cromack. Um, these are people that know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. And so I'm not I'm not in question about this, but I needed to see – what are other people talking about what are other people's ideas and theories on this subject so when you go on the internet not all of this is going to be like laid out for you the way that I'm doing it this is this is a synthesis of so many different things being brought together so there's there's a couple different theories on calcification The basic theory and idea is that calcification is the the accumulation of calcium salts in body tissues. It normally occurs in the formation of bone, which is true. Most of your bone is made up of calcium, but calcium can be deposited abnormally in soft tissue, causing it to harden. So that right there is a basic definition of calcification, and it's an accurate definition of calcification. Calcification. Um, we're, but we need to go deeper into it. We can't leave it there. We have to understand what causes calcification, and then ultimately what we have to understand is how do we dissolve the calcium phosphate crystals that silt up the body and cause the soft tissues to harden. Um, another another perspective is scar tissue. If we've had a physical injury resulting in inflammation, um, then... Because of that process with blood clotting and how the body attempts to heal itself, then wherever you have scar tissue, you're going you're, you're gonna to have more of a propensity to build up calcium layers in that area. Especially if there's a repeated injury, um, there's repeated scar tissue buildup, fibrin, fibrotic tissue that kind of thing there's going to be more of a propensity for this calc this calcification to occur in that area and calcification does also occur predominantly in areas of the body that are non-vascularized what that means is areas of the body that don't have very much blood flow so for example arthritis the onset of arthritic conditions rheumatoid arthritis osteoporosis also has its part in this But let's simplify that and just say arthritic issues. When you think of arthritis, where do you think in your body that that occurs? Well, if you have arthritis, then it's usually in the fingers, the joints, the the capsules of the joints, um, the hands, the wrist, the toes, the feet, the ankles, the knees, the hips, right? Um, certain areas of the neck. The spinal column, the vertebrae in the spine, right, so think about that those areas of the body receive very, very little blood flow, and what goes on in the blood well there 's oxygen there 's the delivery of micronutrients, but then there 's other there 's something else called white blood cells, your immediate innate immune response, so this is going to become. Uh, more obvious as we go through this conversation, but I want to make this point. Calcification inhibits your immune response. And when you have calcium um, calcification buildup in your joints in particular, it blocks off the ability for your immune system to actually get to these nano-sized bacterial infections, which seem to be at the root of all calcification issues. So we're going to expand upon that as well. Um, so another thing, calcifications left untreated can harden over time and put pressure on the existing muscles and tendons. This is called calcific tendonitis, and it often shows up in the rotor cuff in the shoulder. So in the shoulders as another example, right? It builds up these calcium layers. and by the way, you can go on Google and type in calcification and go to images and you can see tons and tons of MRI scans of the brain, of the joints, of the cardiovascular system. And what you see in these scans is white chalky buildup of calcium layers, kind of like a coral reef that's built up in these areas and that's the geometric progression of calcification that's basically laden itself or built into the joints, into the rotator cuff, into the muscles and the tendons, the knees, even in the brain, in the physical heart, in the aorta, in the carotid artery that leads up into the brain, which is actually what causes a stroke in most cases, is when calcium particulates go into the fine veins and get and build up in the carotid artery and inhibit blood flow to the brain. Stroke is most of the time, outside of a physical injury to the artery, is a calcification condition. Um, Two other things we're gonna mention before we move on here, calcium supplements. Okay? Let me. uh, I'm actually going to skim through my book here because I have a whole thing on it. It, It'll probably be even more effective just to read this to you. Um, And this is going to lead into another thing called biological transmutation. We'll, We'll skip over that for now. But let's talk about something here: calcium supplements. The assumption that we need more calcium in order to produce stronger and longer-lasting bone health continues to lead us astray. Bone density is only part of the equation. Bone, joint, ligament, and muscular pliability is the most important factor in structural health. This is an obvious observation if you look at the nature of a bamboo tree, for example. It is one of the strongest trees in the world. Not because of its density, but mainly because it can adapt to the changes in nature, whereas a mighty oak tree can be torn down by a vicious storm. If your bones are over-silted with crystallized calcium phosphate particles, then it will restrict your ability to adapt to the changing weather climates as well as immediate changes in physical movement, for example." Calcification inhibits your cell's ability to carry information from one point to another in the process of healing, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. There's there's more there that I don't want to get into at this moment. So basically, the calcium theory is you know when you look at dairy products, for example, let's just make this example super basic example. Every 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 vegan knows this. If you've been in the vegan thing for a while, you know this one example, which is that we've been sold milk and dairy products based on the assumption of calcium. Where are you going to get your calcium? Well, you got to get it from dairy products. What we find statistically is that the countries with the most dairy consumption also have the highest rates of osteoporosis and arthritic disease. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? That flies in the face of everything we've been told. It's not the calcium, or I should say it's not it's not what we've been told. Those aren't even really great sources of calcium. It's not the calcium we want, I should say. Calcium is an extremely important mineral, but there's biological and absorption-based principles that we need to be in place in order to absorb the calcium into our bones, particularly vitamin D3 and vitamin K2. Um, Otherwise known as MK seven. If you're looking for a vitamin K two supplement, you need vitamin K two and you need vitamin D three in particular for the proper absorption of calcium. But when it comes to calcium supplements, what we all need to know is that that's basically like rock salt. It's basically like sand. Now, I'm gonna kind of digress from going too deep into this, but what one thing that I do want to mention about mineral supplements and and particularly calcium supplements is that the the calcium that you find in these supplements and I'm not talking about coral calcium I'm not talking about natural sources of calcium I'm talking about isolated calcium supplements they're basically like rock salt they're dug out of the earth they're dug out of mines and they're the end product of the entire geological me- geological process or in our body, a metabolic process, they're basically non-absorbable. They're the end product. They're dead, in other words. It's a dead matter. It's a dead material. It's been gravitationally um, matured, or, or it's, yeah, I don't know how else to say it, but it's basically dead. So you're putting in this dead, non-absorbable, non-biologically available sand, essentially, into your body. And it starts silting up all the gears and the soft tissues of the body, the joints, the ligaments, the muscles, etc., etc. One of the biggest reasons for heart disease is calcification. In fact, it may be the main thing is calcification. The over-calcified organs, particularly the the valves of the heart and the soft tissue – and the arteries in particular, they all get hardened through the excess of this type of calcium. So you don't want to take calcium as a supplement. You you want to get away from that. You don't need it. If you're eating green green vegetables and green vegetable juices and green powdered superfoods, you're good. You don't need it. Um, But we are going to talk a little bit more about magnesium and other nutrients that are fundamental to this conversation. So let's just leave it there for now. But one thing I will say about this is that it's not calcium that we want. It's magnesium and silica that we need. It's magnesium and silica. Let me just make that point. It's not calcium like we've been told. It's magnesium and silica. We'll get more into that. So that's the calcium supplement idea theory. And then the next thing is really the, the the crux of this entire matter, which is calcium forming organisms. Calcium forming organisms, otherwise known as nanobacteria. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit from my the book, The Interalchemy Euthanating Program, where I compiled all this. And I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm just going to go through some of this with you. We'll elaborate. We'll stop. We'll pause. We'll go into other areas. So here we go. Calcification or pathologic calcification is the excess and deposit of harmful sedimentary calcium in the body that's brought on by calcium-forming organisms or nanobacteria. Over 30 years of research was distilled in the book, The Calcium Bomb, which offers an explanation for the root cause of all breakdowns of the body. Researchers studying heart disease began to notice that in almost all cases, there was calcium residue surrounding the valves of the heart. What has been discovered since then is that the higher a person's coronary calcium score, which is the amount of calcium in their coronary arteries, the higher the probability of heart disease. Now cardiologists use a coronary calcium scan to identify the volume of calcium residue in the coronary artery as a biomarker for heart health, along with homocysteine, which we talked about in the hormone episode. Calcium that appears in supplements is a biological end product. That's essentially what I meant to explain it as, a biological end product. This means that it cannot mature into another form for assimilation into the body. It simply stays in its hardened state and latches onto the surface of the joints, nerves, bones, arteries, etc. Another way of understanding this is a baby is born with juicy tissues, whereas an elderly individual tends to have calloused, dehydrated tissues. Calcification represents the ultimate conclusion of the aging process, turning our body into a hardened, leathered morgue. Okay, So calcification and calcium supplements in particular, they're biological end products. They're at the end of the biological process, if you will, and their hardened material, which ends up hardening our bones, our joints, our soft tissue, the arteries, even our brain. Um, that, that's really how you need to understand it, right? Now, let's continue. The book, The Calcium Bomb, was one of the first books That really explains the dangers of calcium in isolated supplemental form, which in most cases derive from rock sediments mined from the ground, or in many cases coming from oyster shells or coral, which cause coral-like stone formations on the top of the bones, along with the nerve endings, and between the joints, leading to chronic arthritic conditions, hardening of the arteries by chalky buildup in the arterial walls, i.e. known as arterial plaque, that's important, and heart disease. Calcification is being linked to nervous system disorders such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, MS, and brain tumors. Conditions such as gallstones, stroke, kidney stones, and bone spurs are, in essence, accumulated stone buildup from nanobacteria. This nanobacteria, over time, takes up residence in the body. These organisms furnish the body with inner terrain modifications that make it more comfortable for the invasive calcium grouping bacteria, but alas, make it deadly for the host. Okay, we're going to keep going here. As overcalcification progresses throughout the body, these bacterial organisms will attract positively charged materials such as heavy metals, which are lead, mercury, cadmium, tin, steel, iron, xenoestrogens, plastics, pesticides, to become building material used as a base to fortify these organisms in a particular, a particular body region. In cases of brittle skin, stiffness of the joints, cognitive impairment, cataracts of the eyes, heart issues, lymph nodes, and circulatory disorders, and even reproductive disorders, there is rooted into the disorder a calcification. These opportunistic organisms seem to gravitate most often to areas of the body where we have scar tissue built up from past injuries. This makes it near impossible to rejuvenate our torn tissues unless we implement strategies to break down these calcified walls and escort the nanobacteria out of the body. Due to the accumulated calcium phosphate crystals that are bound together in certain bodily regions, it progressively causes an agitation to the tissues and results in further scarring over time. These microorganisms gravitate to spaces in the body that are non-vascularized, like we talked about, low blood flow, and as a result, our immune cells have difficulty tracking them down. This is why simply a raw food diet is not enough to uproot these critters. We must integrate a decalcification strategy to educate our immune system, pull these nanobacteria out from hiding, and remove the excess calcium particles from the circulatory system. Okay, so that, that's a lot. That's a lot to go into, and we're not done yet because now that we've kind of outlined the basic idea here, which is that calcification, calcium particulates that silt up the body, you know, the, the the common theory, and this is what I was driving at before, the, the common theory, the common idea of calcification is left at the fact that there is calcium residue that hardens the body. It hardens the soft tissues. It basically lethargizes the tissues and creates corrosion and um, obstruction of the joints and etc. etc. Cetera, et cetera, right? That's the basic idea. There's calcification of the body. Now, what is not as commonly talked about or even understood from my my perspective is what causes these issues. One aspect is yes. Calcium supplements are the end product of the entire situation, meaning if you're taking calcium supplements, you are taking in sandy material that becomes like sand in the gears. And that's the physical the physical uh, um, uh, byproduct or the physical kind of thing there when you think of it that way. But underneath that, we have to understand – What are the organisms that bring all these materials together that literally attract the calcium particulates and group these things together? And why are they doing that? Because when we understand nanobacteria, we begin to understand how all these other opportunistic organisms operate, how they function, what their intention is, what the mechanisms of action are. And it's directly correlated with every other Um, Degenerative uh, degenerative disease. Excuse me. Um, This also correlates to Lyme disease and the Borrelia bacteria that creates a a gluey material called a biofilm. Right. Most people are pretty familiar with that idea. There's a biofilm material that is created and creates an encasement. And there's a hardened material that starts to form. What is that hardened material? It's usually a combination of protein deposits and calcification. It's a hard structure. Why do these things create it? Well, the answer is that they're trying to protect themselves from the immune system. When you understand this, you start to understand cancer. You understand Lyme disease. You understand really basically everything. Because at the root of it, according to people like Dr. Hit. It's all based on viral infections, or in this case, nano-sized bacterial infections, right? Let's continue here with um, talking about nanobacteria. In nature, all biological organism classes, there appears to be appointed recycling agents that do the dirty work of an undertaker of life forms on their way out of the life cycle, This is exactly what these nanobacteria represent and use calcium barnacle shells as a tool for accelerating the aging process. The real danger of calcium forming infections is that over time, they progressively and geometrically lay out calcium beds systemically within the body. This means if one has built up scar tissue in a localized region of the body from, for example, a sports injury and it is never addressed properly, not only will that area develop further inflammatory agitation, but it will also, in the presence of nanobacteria, cause the body to defensively react by walling in harmful calcium with a material called fibrin which hardens around the calcified state so your body actually creates fibrin to protect from the the inflammatory agents these organisms are so intelligent that they have they put the calcium together and then the body creates a fibrin material which locks the calcium in place which creates a further agitation of the system okay According to the authors of the calcium bomb, nanobacterium are found in heboglobin, which is human blood, and duplicate at a pace much slower than most viruses and bacteria. This is super important. So let me repeat this. They duplicate at a pace much slower than most viruses and bacteria, three to six days instead of minutes or seconds to be exact. This makes them a bigger threat because the immune system cannot detect them instantaneously, causing our, our white blood cells to overlook these nano-sized infections as they steadily colonize in our body. It can take decades for this cycle to progress to alarmingly dangerous levels of calcification. However, Once these organisms root themselves into the body through the calcium bed layering process, it can be difficult to remove them. This is exactly why this information is being presented to you now. So you understand the dangers of the number one biological undertaker and address it preventatively in all possible ways. I'm going to go on just a little bit further here. In the case of all known disease and degenerative conditions of aging, there is a presence of heavily rooted infections. Again, it is imperative to understand that calcification at its root derivation or its root cause is caused by a highly intelligent and manipulative nanosized bacterial organism and uses calcium stone deposits to masquerade as the primary focus of the immunological system. Depending on someone's level of health and their history of abusive substances, including improper diet, pharmaceuticals, vaccines, antibiotics, tap water, and environmental toxin exposure, recreational drugs, sexual promiscuity, a heavy meat-based, especially factory-farm meat-based diet will dramatically affect their ability to ward off foreign invasive organisms." An intelligent and strong immune-boosting protocol is necessary for everyone who is raised in and still lives in a city environment. In addition, an herbal anti-infection protocol must be heavily considered to ward off pathogens that compromise immune health, especially the ringleaders secretly running the show, AKA nanobacteria. The more chronically stressed one has become, the bigger of a breeding ground their body will be for all kinds of infections. This is why a holistic and integrative approach to living food and superfood nutrition, herbalism, supplementation, lifestyle factors, and interpersonal relationships must be stacked on top of each other in a powerful way. Okay. Wow. Wow. So let's uh, let's distill all that with a few points. Um, <clears throat> The first one is talking about these organisms, they, they produce geometrically through the body and at a pace much slower than other pathogens. So basically what ends up happening is that these things are undet- undetectable immediately by the immune system, and as they get a footing into certain areas of the body, just like a virus when it pirates onto the nucleus of a cell— it creates chemicals that misdirect the immune system um this is an interesting segue because i've never talked about this concept in these these audios before i've talked about it a lot and my, me and my friend elijah ray in one of our interviews we talked about this concept called the witiko and the witiko is a native american spiritual term that is basically used to describe a psychic virus and they in their word, it's basically the representation of what we would call evil. And these organisms, by the way, are not far off from that. I just want to point that out. they're the physical, pathogenic microbiological representation of the witiko. and the witiko virus is a psychic virus that basically will cause you to project, your own wounds or your own, let's call it anger or emotional discord, whatever it is, it'll cause somebody to project that out into the world. But all the while, those things that they're projecting into the world and they're pointing the fingers at other people is actually the exact phenomenon that's going on inside of them. But it causes somebody to extrovert their attention, meaning to focus outside of themselves so they never have to see what's going on inside of them, essentially that they've been hijacked or pirated by some kind of psychic virus. Same thing with these things. They will create chemical signaling in certain parts of the body to get the immune system to, to focus on other things in the body And then all the while the immune system's distracted, they're building a haven. They're building calcium structures. They're, they're attracting, literally attracting heavy metals to themselves so they can build out this fortress wall to protect them from the immune system. And by the time the immune system gets to it, because once you build out these, these inflammatory um, structures in the body, because these calcium particulates are like sharp they're like glass. So they're creating scar tissue and there's more fibrin that's being built on top of it. And then you have something called a tumor or a cyst or fibrotic scar tissue, right? Underneath all that is some kind of organism that's basically using that to protect itself. And by then the immune system is so worn out, that it can't really break down that hard structure, and that's where we get into calcium div- dissolving strategies. Okay, um, and then the other point—well, that's basically that—that's the point right there, right? Um <clears throat> I'm gonna continue on here. So I'm so I'm so thankful I, I have this all documented in my book because it, it, it just makes my job so much easier and I think it makes it easier for you to understand these things. So I'm gonna continue on just a little bit longer here. It's important to know that nanobacterium sanguensum is only one of many variations of micro-sized calcium-forming organisms, which are one one-hundredth the size of a normal bacteria. So two researchers in the late 1980s were responsible for discovering and identifying Nanobacteria sanguensum, for which they won the Nobel Prize in 1998. The, the scientific experiment they conducted leading them to the discovery was on mammalian cell culture research. So they basically cultured these cells from, from mammals, bovine, um, bovine cells, I believe which demonstrated that the micro-sized organisms could pass through a 0.1 micron filter, resist irradiation, antibiotics, antifungals, and would not show signs of replication for a few weeks' time. What has been demonstrated in our current knowledge is that these organisms, including nanobacterium, the coral calcium shell that is created protects the bacteria from the immune system. All forms of antibiotics, radiation methods, and chemotherapy. It is also common knowledge that cancer cells and tumor formations contain a hard calcium-rich layer that seems to shield the cancerous infection from these common medical therapies. This is only one example that indicates the calcium-forming organisms communicate directly with other disease-causing infections such as viruses, fungi, parasites, and other larger bacteria. Okay, this is where it starts to get really interesting. One of the methods pathogens use to communicate together is through a process known as quorum sensing. This is a type of communication syndication that is formed through signaling molecules released from bacteria as a way of measuring the amount of other bacteria present in the environment. This allows bacteria to coordinate their collective behavior in an effort to increase their hold within their host by outwitting the immune system and other microorganisms that may compete for desired nutrients. This is the preponderance of research and, and research-based theories that nanobacteria are either behind or in some way influencing other forms of infections such as HIV AIDS virus It has been my basic viewpoint that nanobacterial infections are directly involved in Lyme disease, although I have no direct evidence that this is the case. When we understand that every form of opportunistic infectious organism has a mutually aligned agenda, which is to cripple the immune system, then it becomes easier to see through quorum signaling how they would align themselves and create numerous forms of infection-based conditions. Lyme disease is rooted in the Borrelia bacteria which is known for mimicking various other conditions and symptoms likely to mask the or likely to mask the root cause of the infection. So that's just further punctuating the point I just made and when we talk about Lyme it's also a very identical scenario because there's so many misreads or misdiagnoses of Lyme, this is the same thing with thyroid conditions, adrenal conditions oh, you know a huge theory on adrenal um, adrenal fatigue syndrome is that it 's actually caused by a virus, which again that that becomes an interesting point that we made before behind all of these conditions, there has to be some kind of organism. That is is basically sucking the energy out of the system. So the immune system becomes compromised. And then that's when all the symptoms occur. And those symptoms are the physical manifestation of the geometric progression of these organisms that now because the immune system is weak, they can really go to do their real work. But because these organisms are essentially very weak in nature – if they were to just go at the immune system out the gate, they would be eliminated on the spot. It's kind of like um, the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, there's all these smoke and mirrors, misdirections, all these um, all these things that the uh, the Wizard of Oz did to scare everyone. But then when you pull back the curtain, it's just this frail, scared old man, right? That is a good analogy of basically what the situation is. All right, let's continue a little bit further. What we know about nanobacteria or nanoparticles as the microbiology community terms them is that at the beginning phase of their infection, they secrete a gluey-like material called a biofilm, which accumulates calcium and phosphorus from the bloodstream. In Lyme disease, there's a similar process happening that involves the protective sealant of biofilm encasements that make antibiotic therapies virtually useless. And only further compromises the immune system. It is my suspicion that these infections are related within a similar communication feedback loop, which also includes viruses, fungal yeast infections, and parasites of all kinds. So, basically, what this says is that whether you have a parasite infection, a viral infection, fungal infection, Candida, on um, a dysbiosis essentially, there is a deeper, a deeper issue, which we're alluding to with nanobacteria. At least that's the theory that I'm proposing. I'm not saying that's definitively the case, but you're doing a parasite cleanse, you're doing a back your antibiotics, you're doing antivirals. Those may or may not be effective. Right? We find in the case of Lyme disease, there's a small, tiny, tiny, small window where an antibiotic is actually effective. But past that window, in almost mo- most cases, I'll say, most cases, antibiotics do not work against these um, against the Borrelia bacterial invec- infection, and that's because the biofilm has already been established. If you can get to it before the biofilm has been established, then you can eliminate the bacteria. But once the biofilm has encased itself and these calcium structures come into play— then the antibiotic is only going to compromise the immune system. You can't get to the bacteria, and that's the entire point, is that these biofilm layers or the calcium structures, whatever it may be, are protecting the infectious organism. So we have to have an intelligent strategy to start breaking that thing down, and we have to build up the immune system – So once you break down that structure, the immune system can get to the organism before the organism moves on to another area of the body, creates misdirection, and repeats the cycle. We're going to get into that as we conclude this talk. Um, The last thing I want to read for you on this topic is extremely important. So uh, just sit sit with me here and let's finish this part out. It is becoming a more well-established fact that through building evidence within the scientific community that medical and dental instruments can be and are oftentimes contaminated with calcium-forming particles. These instruments include vaccines, needles, dental tools, and virtually any form of equipment that is puncturing the epidermal skin tissue or coming in direct contact with the blood or oral cavity. So dental tools, for example, in the oral cavity. Nanobacteria found on previously assumed to be sterile medical and dental equipment is only one of the recent alarming dangers discovered about vaccines in particular. According to the unbiased non-manipulated, objective science, over 300 testimonials from doctors, medical researchers, and former pharmaceutical representatives, and the thousands of testimonials of parents from vaccinated children. The verdict is vaccines are not safe, nor are they effective. They are made of extremely poor quality, contaminated with live viruses, as well as mercury, aluminum, and formaldehyde, and contain shell-forming nanobacteria. In the presence of hard plaque forming calcium residue, nanobacterium can be classified as extremophile organisms, which allows them to survive and thrive in environments that are hostile or threatening to most life forms. Calcium-forming organisms show an extreme resistance to all forms of sanitation that would eliminate most pathogens, including autoclaving, heat sterilization, hydrogen peroxide, ultraviolet light, radiation, microwaving, and other heat or drying methods. It is a huge risk to use medical and dental instruments under the conventional sterilization methods. Those interested in alternatives to vaccines should investigate urine therapy and ozone therapies for themselves. Okay, so that piece is just very important and a very good way to punctuate all of this. I'm not going to go into a longer vaccine talk in the next series we will be talking about vaccine controversies so we'll talk more about that but one thing that's important to understand is that people ask all the time where do these nanobacteria come from well in the the calcium bomb and other researchers are basically alluding to the fact that it's very possible that these things came originally through vaccines and think about it. Vaccines have live viruses. They have, I mean, if you go to the CDC's website, they lay out a whole list of cocktail ingredients that are in vaccines. Um, that's enough to make your head spin. But when you go even deeper into it, it gets crazier. The The live viruses, the the bovine materials, the aborted fetal tissue that's in some of these things. I mean, it's it's absolutely disgusting, And just shows how absolutely ridiculous our entire world, our entire worldview is and the whole medical establishment. I mean, it's just unbelievably disgusting. And it makes very, it makes a lot of sense that these organisms are, are being transmitted through these. Um, now we do know there's nanotechnology that's transmitted through vaccines. That, that is a fact. And so nanoparticulates, nanotoxins, conventionally raised meat. Is a huge inception point. Well water, tap water, contaminated water, that is notorious for containing nano, nanobacteria, calcium forming organisms, as well as all kinds of other crazy pathogenic organisms, right? So um, let me share one more thing here that I think is important to understand. How the calcification seems to mask itself behind other well known conditions as an associative factor, if not a root catalyst. Oftentimes, calcification or nanobacteria are often overlooked. However, a mounting body of research has indicated that this issue has no longer can no longer be overlooked or ignored. These terms and conditions below include, yet are not limited to, calcification. So let's go through the list atherosclerotic plaque heart disease coronary plaque dental plaque periodontal disease which is the basically the, the um uh you know like a um a root canal for example like the periodontal ligament becoming infected biofilm infections kidney stones gallstones gallstones psoriasis, eczema, breast calcification, prostate calcification, dystropic calcification, metastatic calcification, pathologic calcification, calcifying nanoparticles, ossification, cellulite, calcified scar tissue, internal and external scar tissue, microcalcifications, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis and all forms of arthritis, cataracts, bone spurs. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of information. I guarantee if you're listening to this, you've probably never heard most of this stuff, right? Again, eight years of looking into this and being investigating this, compiling all the research from incredible luminaries, people I've had direct contact with. I've studied their work. The book, The Calcium Bomb was the first book to really bring this nanobacterial perspective out there. I mean, it's crazy. But once you understand this in detail, and you probably have to go back over this episode a time or two, then where we go with it is how do we create the solution? How do we dissolve the calcium layers? How do we increase immunological um, efficacy? And how do we Get rid of all these nanoparticles and all this calcif- calcification particles. How do we get that out of the body so our joints, our ligaments, our muscle tissue, our nervous system, our bones, our, our joints, all that kind of stuff can come back into vibrancy, can come back into buoyancy? How do we regain our youth and inhibit the acceleration of aging, which is brought on by this particular condition. Okay now we get into some fun stuff here. We're going to talk about how to get the stuff out of you and what's been figured out about that. Before we go into that I want to talk about something called biological transmutation and this is a super fascinating idea. it has it has its roots in alchemical literature. I'm not going to go too deep into it because there's a whole deep dive into this subject. I'm going to read a few things and elaborate on it. And this is going to translate into our conversation on silica and magnesium in particular. So let's start off this way. The plausible theory on biological transmutation where one element or mineral can transmute into another was presented by Dr. Louis Curvon In the book Silica, the Forgotten Nutrient, author Klaus Kaufman explains one of the most interesting examples of Curvon's belief of biological transmutation going back to Kervron's childhood recollections. His parents kept chickens that never received any limestone, nor was their diet in any way supplemented with limestone. Yet every day during the egg laying season, those chickens laid eggs with calciferous shells. Young Kervran observed that the chickens were incessantly scratching for fragments of mica. That were strewn around the yard. The boy knew that mica with feldspar and quartz contained silica. So why did those chickens search for mica? He watched his mother open the gizzards of slaughtered chickens, finding small grains of sand, but never any mica. What happened to the mica? How did the calcium get in the eggshell in any area lacking calcium? Okay. Dr. Kervran was obsessed with his childhood observation and the question that followed it. If there was no calcium present in the form of limestone for the chickens, how could they produce such a calciferous eggs? His curiosity eventually led him to discover the key element in mica that was producing calcium-rich eggs, silica. Kervran discovered, as many in the field of raw food have discovered, the key enzymes can assist one element into completely a different element. Examples of a silica calcium, examples of this are silica to calcium, magnesium into calcium, manganese into iron, potassium into sodium, in combination with the appropriate hydrogen oxygen atoms. A diet depleted of enzymes will impair one's ability to uptake and transfer the needed mineral balance required for homeostasis. Okay, so the point of this is to say that we don't need calcium to build calcium-rich bones. That's basically what this is saying. Calcium is an end byproduct. It's a biological end product, right? The more calcium we take in, especially supplemented calcium, the more calcification that we accrue. What what this is saying is that there are certain minerals, alkaline minerals, that through a biologically transmutative process can turn into calcium in the bones as the body needs it. Silica and magnesium are those two main elements. So, we have a silica depleted food supply. Silica is an incredible mineral, one of the most incredible minerals and the book The Forgotten Mineral Silica, it's a great book read it about 8 years ago when I got into this. And it is a forgotten it's a forgotten book and a forgotten mineral, but it's something we need to know about. Um so much to say about that. Basically, we, it's not calcium that we're trying to take. It's silica and magnesium. Let's look at silica-rich foods, for example. What foods and herbs have the highest amount of silica? We're looking at nettles, horsetail, oat straw, radishes, burdock root, cucumbers, bell peppers, hemp leaves, oats, alfalfa, powdered alfalfa is the best, young bamboo shoots, tomatoes, and there's a natural supplement called organo living silica, okay? Those are extremely important foods and supplements and herbs that you can implement into your diet right away and can really be very powerful. And then let's talk about magnesium. Magnesium magnesium helps to solubilize calcium formations allowing the elimination channels of the renal kidney system to remove it safely from the body so the more magnesium one carries and absorbs into the body the less quote-unquote bad calcium they will have and the more balanced their good calcium will become so calcium and magnesium are kind of antagonists and magnesium dissolves hardened calcium i.e. calcification, and makes it soluble so the kidneys can can eliminate that calcium residue. What are the best sources of magnesium? Cacao. Cacao is the number one source of magnesium of any land-based plant food. Cacao beans, nibs, powder, butter, and paste. Watermelon seeds, chlorella powder and tablets, spirulina powder and tablets, Pumpkin seeds, pumpkin seed butter, sesame seeds and tahini butter, Brazil nuts, Brazil nut butter, chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is extremely rich in magnesium. Fresh figs are a great source and Epsom salt baths, Um, float tank therapy is filled with basically magnesium salt water doing epsom salt baths is a great way transdermal magnesium where you apply it to the skin and rub it into your skin these are all great ways to get the cal- uh, i mean to get the magnesium maybe to get the calcium that you need but to get the magnesium that you need and by the way let me say this about magnesium just like they do coronary calcium scans to scan the amount of calcium that is in one's Arteries and in their 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 cardiovascular system, it's been shown that in one hundred percent of heart disease and heart um, cardiovascular issues, there is always a magnesium deficiency. So just think about that. This puts it all together. There's a magnesium deficiency in all cases of cardiovascular. Problems, and magnesium is the number one mineral used by the human heart. The second mineral is potassium. Magnesium and potassium are the most important minerals for the human heart. So that is extremely, extremely important. Um, now we're gonna we're gonna conclude by going into a three prong strategy for decalcification and by the way if you go to my book the inner alchemy Youthening program there's an entire chapter an entire strategy laid out uh, the holistic health mastery program my online course has a number of videos dedicated to this and then i would also recommend the calcium bomb if you want to go deeper into everything that we talked about and then david wolf's book the longevity now program was the first book i have to give complete credit to to david and his work of course, um, and to really lay all this out. So I'm kind of just standing on the shoulders of these giants. I didn't come up with this. I didn't even put all this together in of myself. I organized the research that was already there. And then I just added my own unique perspective and my own unique way of, of re. Repackaging or redescribing, and also different research that I came to find that I think is very helpful. Trying to evolve this conversation and get it out into the world because this conversation needs to get out there. Okay, so how how do you do this? Well, there's a, the three pronged strategy. Basically, is that you need calcification removal strategies, removing calcium residue through solvents. You need to boost the immune system, and then you need to eliminate the the dissolved or broken down calcium structures from the body safely and effectively. So the first thing is you got to build up your immune system. There is a compromised immune system issue with this. And so, while you're going through the dissolving um, strategies, start taking in immune-boosting herbs, supplements, and foods. You could go back over the episode on immunological momentum. The best thing to do right out the gate is medicinal mushrooms: reishi mushroom, shaga mushroom, cordyceps mushroom, agaricus blazei, tremetis, turkey tail. Um, but Reishi and Shaga, to keep it simple, are the most important and most powerful immune system building herbs in the world. And they can rebuild your immune system, by the way, implementing intermittent fasting. And then eventually, all together fasting, it's been shown scientifically that you can rebuild your immune system completely on three days of water fasting. That is true. So, I'd say look deeper into that, how to do that safely and effectively for you. But intermittent fasting is very helpful. And then the principle of aut- autophagy, which we talked about in prior episodes, uh, that your body actually self metabolizes those hardened protein. Deposits, so you can start getting that material out of the body, and that is associated with this conversation as well. So, fortifying and upgrading the immune system, let's talk about calcification removal strategies. And I'm just going to go through this um, as quickly as I can. So, we're talking about things like MSM. We're talking about DMSO. And by the way, if you're going to get into DMSO, do research on DMSO first. I'll talk a little bit about that. Do your own research on how to apply it safely. EDTA, fulvic acid, mega hydrate, citric acid, i.e., lemons, lime, citrus fruit breaking having acidic things that are actually helpful they're they're actually good for your blood ph but they break down through through the acid they break down these hardened materials apple cider vinegar for example and as we talked about magnesium powders and magnesium rich foods okay so let's um let's get a little bit deeper into a few of those just so you have a basic education on these things okay Let's see. Okay, I got to actually pull up um, a part in my book here. Uh, The great thing about all this, I know this can be confusing. It's a lot of information, but you can go over my book. All this information is laid out in detail. So I'm going to talk about a couple primary um, calcium dissolving strategies here. DMSO. Dimethyl sulfoxide is an extremely powerful solvent that has been used extensively since 1953. This is a there's a tremendous volume of research backing up DMSO's positive effects on conditions such as general pain, inflammation, arthritis, scler- scleroderma, and other inflammatory conditions. Due to its solvent action, it is used as a calcium dissolver, which is most likely the reason for its pain-relieving effects. It also acts is a powerful antioxidant scavenging free radicals and localized sites of the body where there is inflammation when dmso is rubbed into the skin it easily penetrates the tissue cells and can act as a carrier for other remedies such as antifungal bacterial and viral ingredients this is also another way dmso can be useful in combating and eliminating nanobacteria from the body um, again, with DMSO, I'd say do your own research before getting into it. And then the other thing is EDTA, ethyl diamine, diamine tetracetic acid. This is a chelate that has a unique affinity for binding onto metals and excreting them from the body. So this is used in heavy metal chelation therapies. All heavy metals are forms of minerals or elemental ions, such as inorganic calcium. EDTA is purchasable as a tablet supplement, but is used clinically intravenously for heart disease patients. As explained in the section on calcification, in all cases of heart disease, there's an overabundance of excess calcium. EDTA is used to chelate foreign metal ions and mineral deposits from the vascular passages to increase arterial flexibility. This has proven to be effective for increasing circulation of the cardiovascular system, increasing blood oxygen circulation to lower extremities. Keynote on EDTA. This is used as a bad calcium dissolving agent, um, which may or may not be entirely effective when taken orally. If done intravenously, meaning through an IV um, or through rectal suppository, it is shown to be substantially more effective. However, the documented benefits of oral EDTA in conditions involving cardiovascular complications are profound and worth your deeper investigation. Basically, what that means is that um edta when used as a bad calcium dissolver is most effective when done through an iv rectal suppository is an option but i would just say through an iv is most effective and you would have to talk to a naturopath to talk to them more about that and get that kind of thing done Um, msm methyl sulfonyl methane is a powerful um Dissolver as well. And that might be the most effective thing. I can tell you right now through my experience with MSM, I've used MSM to break down scar tissue, to heal my knees, and also to dissolve bad calcium in my body. So MSM is probably the most effective, inexpensive thing that you could start taking in to start breaking these things down. Like I said, there's fulvic acid. Another thing I want to put out there is systemic enzymes systemic enzymes are also another powerful way for decalcification, breaking down protein deposits in scar tissue and increasing just your overall metabolic health and wellness. Okay. So those are a few things I want to point out. And then from there, you know, you just have to you have to have an appropriate detoxification strategy. So as you're breaking these things down, you don't want them to get silted up in other areas of the body, right? So, you know, doing things like bentonite clay or activated charcoal, um, anything that can get into the body and mop up these particles and can also mop up the, the biological waste products that these organisms secrete over time. That's the other point we mentioned earlier in this conversation. So... Those are the three fundamental ways that you can start to develop a decalcification strategy. Again, I recommend my book, The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program, for everything that we've talked about in this series, as well as David Wolf's book, The Longevity Now Program, Calcium Balm, if you want to go deeper into that, and um, uh, you know many other resources as well. Okay, This was a lot. This was a lot. I did my best to synthesize all this in a way that I thought could be most effective. I need to lean on my book for this one because that information had been so well documented over the course of a couple years. I couldn't have put half of this information better without it. So I'm glad that I got to use that and go through this with you and elaborate on this, really put this topic out there. And this is the thing that takes out the oldest living mammals, the oldest living animals, like a whale, or a turtle, or a great eagle. The dinosaurs, for example, it's been shown in the fossil records that the dinosaurs had arthritis in their bones, right? That's really, really interesting. So these recycling organisms are built into the matrix of of life and nature. We just need to outsmart That process a little bit. And that's what really the technology that we have available to us is all about. That's what all these strategies are about. They're not just about random supplementation or just living healthier, it's actually about being sophisticated and knowing exactly. What are the problems that we face? What are the obstacles? What are all the things that get in the way of graceful aging? What's going to stop me from living as long as I possibly can, as healthfully and vibrantly as I possibly can? That's what this entire series on longevity strategies has been all about. And this conversation is just the conclusion of everything that we've talked about. So I really hope you got a lot out of this. I hope this was helpful for you. Um, This is the final episode in the series. We have one more series left, which is going to take us through um, controversial issues, social media, social engineering, vaccine controversies, surgical procedures, um, breast implants, things of that nature. We're going to go through uh, circumcision. A number of other different topics in that particular realm. And um, yeah, yeah, there's not much else to say after this. So I hope you enjoyed this and take it all in. This is available to you now, so you can keep re-listening as much as you, you need to. Thank you for to. listening to this week's and episode of High Performance Health. Journey. Remember the so saying, knowledge time, is power. Much love, Well, knowledge is aloha. only power when the knowledge has been applied. So before you leave, I want to recommend five basic principles that if done each day will result in physical vitality, emotional well-being, and increased mental agility, as well as overall resilience to all four. Forms of stress. Number one, take 10 deep diaphragmatic breaths each morning when waking up and each night before sleeping. Number two, remember one liter of high quality structured water each morning before eating. Number three, eat only when hungry. Do not eat too much too fast and bless your food. Each and every day. Number four, close your eyes, put your hands on your heart, and relax your nervous system. And number five, only use phones when necessary, keep your back upright when on the computer, and shut down screen time in 90 minutes prior to going to bed. There you go, my friend. I hope you take what you learned in this episode and create the life you deserve. You can support this podcast by going to www.hhphealth.com forward slash review to give us a rating and a review. This helps boost us in the iTunes ratings and makes this podcast more visible to more people in the world. You can also join the discussion on our Facebook community group by going to health forward slash group. And finally, you can also check out all of my current co coaching programs courses books podcast episodes and more by going to www.hhphealth.com thank you for being part of the health and healing movement and until next time make the rest of your life the best of your life aloha